This episode of the Badass Ladies Club is sponsored by Badass Retreats. It's time to make your healing a priority. Find out more at www.blcbadassretreats.com. Welcome to this week's episode of the Badass Ladies Club. Jessica here with Laurie. Hey, friends. And we are here to talk about creative healing or the healing power of creativity. All of the above. However you want to word that. Please, 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 if you have a moment, we would be so grateful if you could like, rate, review this podcast. Please tell us how we have helped you or maybe how we've triggered you. (laughs) All good things to know. Whatever emotion we bring up (laughs) in you, we're willing to listen. Um, It would help us so much. Um, Let's talk about this week's Badass of the Week. Yes. Um, So this week's Badass of the Week is our good friend, Elisa Taylor, who is a therapist, coach, content creator, badass mom and wife who supports women to stop and enjoy this life that they're working so hard to create. She's a freaking genius is what she is. Really, she is. Because like sometimes, and I'm totally guilty of this idea, like, this relentless pursuit to be better, have more, achieve the goals, the go, 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 go. Like I stop, I I don't stop often enough to like really appreciate and enjoy where I'm at and why I'm working so hard to get to those places. Mm -hmm. And Elisa does this really awesome job of like, okay, but just stop. And what did you do to celebrate? I was like, celebrate? What's that, Elisa? Like, I don't know what that means. You know, she's like, but girl, you just did the like, thing. Like, oh my gosh, can we just stop and celebrate for a minute? And I'm like, yeah, actually we can do, you know, like, so I love, she's also unapologetic about boundaries. And a lot of the work that Elisa does is helping women set amazing boundaries so they can appreciate and enjoy the time and the space and the journey. You know, like that's what it's all about. Um, I'm so excited to talk to her because, um, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but the brain spotting thing she does is so interesting to me. And it's way too much to get into. Like, it's why we're going to have her on the podcast. But um, we're going to talk about it, you best believe. And it is so cool. She really gives this really grounded, technical, like, therapist style uh, structure mm-hmm. to the healing journey and process, but does it in a very real and accessible way, you know? Um, so yeah, so excited to have Elisa on the podcast and yay. Badass of the week. Badass of the week. Check and check. All right. Let's look at our list here, Laurie. Our notes. Oh, so oh. all right. Healing with creativity. Like, yes. So there's so many parts of a healing journey, but like any way you shake it, it means that it's time for you to like process your grief, your trauma, your pain, you know, like what do we need to heal from is this idea that we were just too busy or not emotionally or mentally able to process these painful, traumatic, grief-stricken things that come up in our life. And that when you are ready to process it, all the shit you shove down and haven't dealt with comes up 
And that processing that shit is difficult and that creativity is this really amazing outlet that humans have to process some of these really difficult emotions and things that come up sometimes. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Well, I think that creativity can put almost like a childlike spin on it to make it fun, even though what you're processing is heavy, mm-hmm. that if I had a choice between going to talk therapy or dancing it out or painting a picture or, I mean, I, there's a million ways to do this. I, I would always pick creativity. Yeah. Um, not to downplay talk therapy. I think talk therapy is necessary and amazing for people that it works for. Um, but sometimes talk therapy can also be traumatic because you don't want to, because talking about those things sometimes triggers you again. And you're like, I don't want to fucking talk about it. I'd rather right. like have this physical outlet or have this creative outlet to process that. Well, and maybe we should even roll back a minute because this could be a whole episode in and of itself is what it means to be in process on something. <sighs> because a lot of things that come up, you know, like we're both working this new direction in our careers where we're healers. And when you work in a healing space or a healing capacity with somebody, you have these revelations a lot of times, these things that come to you that you're like, quote, unquote, I'm working this. So I'm working worthiness or I'm working not being enough or I'm working abandonment, like whatever it is that you comes up that you're working. And that sometimes just talking about it means that you're just reliving whatever you're working over and over and over again as opposed to processing it, which is actually like experiencing the feelings. And in the case of creativity, you're like channeling those emotions and feelings into making something, Mm -hmm. which I've always felt so envious of musicians who, you know, it's so obvious to me that when Taylor Swift is writing a song about her ex, she's processing some shit right there, you know, like she's taking those emotions and she's channeling them into something that she makes, you know, um, or like any musician that you feel so connected to the emotions they were feeling. Um, Billie Eilish, all of her stuff is like heavy processing of these deep emotions that are hard to put into words, but that she manages to put into words and feelings. So even if you didn't have that experience, you feel that, you know, um, or like even like Celine Dion, like you feel everything, you know, that's coming out of her. Yeah. Like, um, we've talked about this person before, um, fucking Sinead O'Connor, man. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, we were talking about, um, her quite a few episodes back and I haven't even told you this but yesterday just on my feed of videos that I go through a Sinead O'Connor interview popped up with Dr. Phil that I had no idea actually happened and I mean I have mixed feelings on Dr. Phil doesn't matter the point is there's so much about her life that I had no idea 
I mean, her mother tortured her physically and sexually. And just the creative outlet of being a live performer. I mean, she said in the interview, she's like, oh, I know I'm a brilliant live performer. It's because of all the fucking pain that I've been through. And, um, you know, and Sinead O'Connor is most famously known for Nothing Compares to You, not even her own song. Right. She was 21 when she did that. Did you know that? I she did was know 21 that. years yeah. old. Baby. And that she had this mega imposter syndrome because it was Prince's song. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, people only like me for Prince's music. They don't like me for my own. It, anyway, it was a bomb ass interview and um, heartbreaking and traumatic. But that, yeah, she just talked about the power of music and how it has helped heal her, not completely heal, but has helped have an outlet for her trauma that was just absolutely devastating. I couldn't imagine. And to have an outlet to pour that kind of, you know, like feeling into does help you process it. So it's not like it makes it okay it doesn't make the pain go away. Like it's still there, but it's like you've accepted what's happened and you've been able to channel that, you know, mm-hmm. like vibration or emotion into something constructive. Even if what you're constructing is music, you know, like there's still a song there on the other end of it. Or there's a lot to be said, I feel like for artistic expression, like in the means of painting or drawing or even just like, scribbling things that aren't even anything, you know, like just picking colors and making shapes and letting things move through your hands is really healing and therapeutic, you know, even when whatever comes up on the other end of it is... Well, it's kind of like how when kids go to therapy and they're like, draw how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Well, you can tell like when they're scribbling and drawing very aggressively versus when they're taking their time and everything's like flowers and sunshine. Mm. And you know, that the way even children create things, um, can tell you a lot in that feeling behind it. Absolutely. Um, also just like, uh, you know, hair and makeup is an artistic medium that, Like, I've always loved the idea that in makeup that you're painting part of what's going on inside of the person you're working on on the outside of them, you know, like that you're connecting to the vibration or the emotion that they're emitting or like, tell me a time, you know, like when somebody brings you a picture of something that they want their hair or makeup to look like and you ask them, well, tell me what it is that you like about this picture so fascinating to me to hear what they say. Right. And we're like, no, no, no. I'm not talking about you like the bangs and the, right. You know, how's it make you feel? Tell me a time (laughs) when the essence of this picture reflected what you were feeling during that time of your life. Or it comes up like, I just like it because she looks really strong. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have anything to do with her bangs, you know, like, yeah, like that she likes that strong image. She likes things that makes her feel strong, you know? And so I'm so fascinated by images and art that evokes a feeling. And that's why we're drawn to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same with music. Like, how does that song make you feel? 
you know, like in that those feelings and emotions connect us to something where we understand each other on this higher level or this higher vibration that sometimes words just really fall short of being able to explain what that is. Um, or even like cooking, like there's, so, when you watch somebody who really loves not just like cooking and feeding people, but they love ingredients mm-hmm. and like spices <laughs> and they love plating things and like making it look a and certain way, you presentation. know, yes. that is such a beautiful medium of creativity, you know, yeah. and that, yeah, when you eat it, or you experience it, it tastes good and you may not be hungry anymore. You know, like that it has a functional need, but there is a difference between getting a slice of pizza and going somewhere where somebody like put their everything into the creation of what went into it, how it looks, how it smells, what your whole experience is. It's art, you know, like it's a totally different situation. Love that. So good. I'm not much of a... Um, a kitchen expert. If, get, but you like fine dining. Like, I love fine dining. You're all about the experience. I'm all about the experience. I just don't <laughs> like doing it. If people were to ask me to cook them something, I'd be like, you don't want me to do that. No, but there's some people that that's their thing and yeah. they probably don't want to do your hair. Right. You know, like it works always on that. Yes. Um, I love the idea, though, and especially in the culinary arts, the vibration behind that creativity. Food tastes different Mm -hmm. when you can tell someone's love went into it. Or like when a mom is just so freaking exhausted, not that I'm condoning this. It's just like when a mom is so freaking exhausted and she's, you know, making this meal for her family and the family appreciates it. What's that magic? Yeah. You know, God, I look back on all the meals my mom made when like she had nothing left to give and she was just so fucking exhausted. And we're like, yeah, mom, that's great. Like how Feed pissed off me. she must have been. <laughs> you know? yeah. God, I feel so bad about that. Yeah. But um, now that you're sorry, making mom. meals for your, <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Oh, just packing a lunchbox for school. Just like. packing a freaking lunchbox <laughs> is like the worst. And Adelaide got sick because she's never been to school before. And so her immune system's probably like, what the hell's going on? Everyone, don't worry. She tested negative for COVID, Obviously, RSV, yeah. all the crazy things. Um, but the other night I was trying to get her to eat chicken noodle soup. She acknowledged that she liked the chicken noodle soup. She said it felt really good on her throat. Mm. But getting her to eat it was like negotiating <laughs> with the devil. Yeah. Tiny yeah. terrorist. She, she, it took 45 minutes for a half of a cup of soup. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you like it, right? Yeah. It feels good on your throat, right? Then eat the goddamn <laughs> soup. Oh, my God. Right, right, right. It was <laughs> just the worst. Um, but, yeah. Um, but what I love about creativity is this idea that when we were children, everything we made was perfect. Yeah. And we loved it. Mm-hmm. And we were really proud of it. Yeah. 
And then something happens when you get older that all of a sudden we start judging our work or others start judging our work and like things aren't good enough or they need to be better or you know what I mean? Like I'm just so interested in how that happens because I know someone who is an art teacher at an elementary school and she says that like, mm, I want to say like, fourth grade and lower Mm -hmm. is like the best. But fifth grade, she said something happens in the fifth grade where all of a sudden art isn't fun anymore for children. Right. I wonder how much of it becomes like, especially in school, that by the time you hit fifth grade, you start really understanding what it means to be graded. Mm -hmm. So like... I got a C, but so-and-so got a B. So that means they did better than I did. And that creates this like competition where you start comparing your work to other people's work and that everything's a linear scale. There's an A or an F, you know, like it's good or it's bad. And so then you start to judge your work based on, is it good enough to get this score, this grade? Um, And you start to look at things with a critical I, where before just the fact that you did it was good enough. Yeah. Like participation got you in the game. Yeah. When you're in the first grade and you make something in art class, you're like, I did the thing. Right. And (laughs) success, you know, like putting it out is a success. Yeah. You know what I love about that is I'm a huge fan of Rick Rubin's Instagram, which, you know, some people are like, yeah, Rick Rubin, take him or leave him. Such a brilliant producer. Like talk about creative freaking genius. Um, but Rick is so hardcore about the creative process and that sometimes it's the stuff that you hate that is just like not working for you that you're struggling with that in that struggle somewhere, this like gem of brilliance comes up, you know, that you could have never gotten to if you weren't willing to do it messy to listen to the take that didn't work out right, to do it with a different instrument, to totally turn the timing upside down, you know, like that all of these things help you create the magic. But he put up something the other day on his Instagram about the second that you release a project out into the world, regardless of how it's received, it's a success. And to think that that's how, you know, like Rick Rubin has been coaching musicians through producing records for 40 years now, right? Mm -hmm. And is still working with like the young, hip, coolest, you know, artists that have no idea who he is or why he's brilliant and why he's great. And he's encouraging them to look at their work as a success when they put it out, regardless of how it's received. And it just, you know, like on the heels of this idea that, even at the Badass Ladies Club, that we're trying all of these things and we don't know if they're going to work or not. And some of them may not be traditional, like, success, quote, unquote. But it is, you know? Like, we did a thing and we put it out into the world and we tried. And regardless of what happens as far as the outcome or did it make money? Did people buy it? Did they show up? Did they listen to the podcast? Did they not? You know, like, whatever it is, we made something, And we put it out. And that means that it's a success. And that's really hard in creativity because just like in school, 
there's all these gauges to determine whether or not it was an actual financial success or was it a commercial success or was it successful with your market? You know, like just doing it makes it a success. Mm -hmm. And that's so hard when you're constantly feeling like you need to be evaluated or things need to perform at a certain level. Like creativity, the process of doing it is the reward. You know, that's why I didn't finish my theater and dance degrees in school. Really? Because I went from, you have to understand, like I grew up in a dance studio where we did not do competitions. We were intentionally not a competitive dance studio because that was a lot of money. Mm. It was a lot of travel. And my dance studio that I grew up in had a community service mindset where it was like, no, we're not here to get medals and trophies. Mm. We're here to give art to the community and to make people smile and to change lives and to, you know, so it was very community based. And so when I went off to college and I was dancing at UNT and all of a sudden I was dancing for a degree and a grade, if you will, I was like, this doesn't feel right. Not the same. But all the other girls that I was dancing with grew up in competitive studios. So it was like their jam. Right. And I was like, this is icky Mm -hmm. to me. Um, and so that's when I started thinking of, well, what else can I do? Yeah. Um, because there is something weird about grading creativity and art when it's so subjective. Yeah. And yes, are there like being a classically trained dancer? Yes, there is technique behind it. There's good technique. There's bad technique. Like, yes, I logically understand, you know, that there could be a system, but I just morally and ethically just wasn't into being graded. I know that I've told you about Liz Gilbert's book called Big Magic. Yeah. So one of the really cool concepts in Big Magic is that she talks about the pressure it puts on creativity Like she talks about creativity like it's a source and that you are given this inspiration to create something. Inspiration to dance and move. Inspiration to write or to make art or whatever it is. And that when you use that inspiration and you make the thing, then you continue to get more inspiration around it. But that there's all these things that we do that like chokes the inspiration out of us. And one of those things is expecting your creativity to do things like support you. Mm -hmm. So when, when you're young or old and you're an artist and you're trying something new, that the act of trying it and trying it and getting better and learning if you like it and learning how you like it and what you want to do with it is all part of this creative process and creative path. But when you back that up to, okay, now I need you to pay my rent with it, it turns it into something else altogether different. Or I have to get an A in this class by doing it, you know, and that then the creativity is put on this bar of performance and productivity. It chokes the creativity out of it, which is why it's so hard, you know, like if you look at musicians who sign with a record company and they have a three album deal and they do really well on their first one and then their second one 
has to perform, you know, like it has to reach. And so then you're always trying to like make it better than, or you have to deliver on this promise that you've made. It puts so much pressure on the creativity. Yeah. What I, as an artist want, you can't get into the zone. Yeah. You cannot hit that creative flow and vibe because you're choking it away from you by demanding that it perform for you. It's just not the way creativity works. You know, like you've got to be able to go into that space and to, yeah, like it's also why I'm so fascinated by like actors or people that don't want anything to do with like the Golden Globes or the Oscars. Mm -hmm. Or They're like, really? You're going to give out a trophy for performing and acting? Like who gets to decide what I'm doing is valid enough to receive your award? You? Right. Like, do you get to tell Mm -hmm. me that my work is good enough? And I kind of love that, you know, because the reward is in the act of doing the thing. And if you're not rewarded by the making of the thing, then you're coming at it from totally the wrong direction. And that's not how magic happens with creativity. Well, because, you know, there are things in, um, let's say, like on that scale of the Oscars Mm -hmm. that aren't really... Um, rewarded on that scale, like, which is so funny. The other day I was telling you, I hate doing improv, yes. but I love watching improv. <laughs> and I think it's just like the most creative, badass thing you can do that if you can brilliant create something in the matter of a second, like, I think that comedy is like, my favorite form of creativity. Yeah. And I wish I was funnier because I would totally love to be a stand-up comic. Um, I just think it's like the most impressive, amazing art form. Um, that, yeah, that like the Oscars are usually about dramatics um, or they lump comedy and musicals into the same category. I'm like, those are two different things. So different. Um, of course, I love that it does like sound design, right. lighting design, hair and makeup. Like Amazingly artistic. Creative. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, like there are things about the Oscars that like I fucking love. I love the Oscars. Yeah. yeah. But um, the fact that not all of the things that it takes to be an amazing creative is rewarded in that arena. Mm -hmm. It's just, it is bullshit. Well, and that a big part of winning an Oscar is promoting your art. So, and which comes back around full circle to this whole like healing power of creativity. If you're using creativity as an outlet to heal, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of it or if it performs or if it makes money or if it's acknowledged at all. But if you make art and you need it to be acknowledged or you need it to make you money, you best get in there and promote your work, you know, and that that is a totally different beast that's run by a totally different engine, you know, then it's not about the power of creativity. It's about that creativity making money Mm -hmm. and being acknowledged, which then has so much more to do with like your market and what they need, you know, like so shifting it into creativity for business and money making completely different means of, uh, attacking it. Uh, you know what? Another artistic medium that is great for healing, I feel like is writing Mm -hmm. not in respect again to like writing books or blogs or anything that you're going to like sell or use to build something, but more like journaling on different creative aspects. So, you know, like whatever, 
wound that you're working or trying to heal, like just being able to, or maybe it's not even about healing. Maybe it's just something that you're frustrated with something that happened that did you are not jamming on, you know, like to be able to just sit down and write openly about how you feel about it has always helped me organize how I feel about it. Like anytime I've got big feels going on, I don't even know what they mean or what they are until I can put them down into paper. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm starting to organize how I feel about this. Um, or I've been really into card pulls lately. Yes, me too. So Oracle decks. All these the Oracle win. decks. Yeah. And things that we have, we're all like, okay, so I, we're going to record podcasts today. And so I'm going to pull three cards about our podcasts and the three cards I pull, I'll read about them, but then I'll write about them. And it always is so amazing to me, like what it brings up because it's never what I think it's going to bring up, you know, like it turns out that I'm running a completely different direction. And I didn't even know that until I was able to write about it a little bit. There's always a message there. Yes. And that when you channel things in the form of writing, I'm not even thinking about the words that are coming through my hands. But then when I go back and read it, I'm like, huh, God, fascinating, Laurie. Yeah, I love a stream of consciousness writing. Mm -hmm. And my favorite way to do that is actually on a keyboard. Just because, yeah, yeah, I can type faster than I can write. Mm -hmm. And so when my fingers are moving that fast, like sometimes I'll (laughs) write a whole freaking, you know, essay. And by the time I go back and read it, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Cause you got to get your brain out of the way. And if you type fast, then your fingers know where they're going, you know? Yes. I love that. Um, another form of creative healing that I've been really into is daydreaming Mm. or like future self dreaming. Yeah. So daydreaming, like what is the most exciting, extravagant, you know, like future self situation that I can imagine myself in that I'm trying to bring to me. And this idea that like daydreaming about it is one thing. And you think about that as like being frivolous or it's not going to do anything. Right. But then if I can get myself really worked up about it, like so excited that it's on the way, so excited that it's here and this is how I'm going to feel and this is what it's going to look like and these are the feelings and the emotions and the experiences that it's going to bring up. And then I can feel that vibration in my body. Like I get butterflies. I start to get excited, you know, like how's it feel in my fingers? How's it feel in my feet? What's it going to feel like to step off the plane in Italy? Like what is it going to be like? What's it going to feel like to shop? Like, what's it going to feel like to do these things that then you get yourself so worked up in this vibration and this feeling and emotion, it's able to come to you faster. And that's creative, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm creating that reality right now. And that just thinking it and feeling it into existence is a free I can do it anytime. It doesn't matter where I am. I don't just say a word. It doesn't matter who I'm with. Like all of those things are regardless, you know, you can do it sitting in traffic. All of these opportunities to create and to have a way to move through things and bring it faster to you. I just love creative healing with daydreaming. Yeah. Um, which is so funny. Most of that happens either in the car or in the shower. Oh yeah. You know, because Well, the car, maybe not so much. The shower, for sure, because you don't have your phone in the shower. Mm -mm. You don't, I mean, I guess 
some rich people have TVs in the shower, but you oh know, my God, stop <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, you, you could, I guess you sure could, you could have a TV in the yeah. shower. You could also have a radio in the shower. You could do a lot of things in there, but you know, when we're like, oh, my best thinking is done in the shower. Well, no shit, because you don't have all the outside influences. Mm -hmm. But I want to say it was Jen Sincero. Maybe she wrote this in You Are a Badass, or maybe I heard her on a podcast or an interview or something where she was talking about, you know how in the car, like when you're listening to a song and you're jamming out to it and you imagine yourself performing it and what that looks like and what that feels like, or you're having a conversation with someone and you're talking out loud in the car as if you're talking to that person, yeah. um, whether it be someone you know or maybe someone you want to know, mm -hmm. Um and that she was like, so start doing those things. Yes. And that that kind of daydreaming or acting out what that looks like, feels like tangibly, you know, um, is a good way of manifesting. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it too. Um, I know I've talked about this before, like in the pandemic when the salons were shut down, that I kept having this feeling like, if I get all the way through this time where we're quarantining and I don't pull out all of my art supplies and paint, I'm going to be so mad at myself, you know, like, and so finally it was like one of the last couple of days that we had off work. I pulled it all out and I left it out for three or four days and I painted a whole bunch of stuff and none of it was like really good, you know, like, it's not like I looked back on all of it and was like, oh my God, I painted this amazing thing. <laughs> A lot of it was sloppy and splattery and experimental and just messy fun, you know? I also did it outside in my sunroom, so there was, like, no air conditioning. I remember I had a fan going, but I was definitely, like, hot and sweaty and, like, paint down to my elbows and on my face. And, like, it just felt so good to be covered in it, you know? Like, just immersed in it. And... It was so good to express because there was so much going on inside of me because of the whole quarantine situation and that we just didn't know what was going on, that the ability to process how I was feeling in some sort of artistic medium and to get messy and sloppy and fun in paint felt really freeing and great. And I'm so excited to be able to work more art healing into what we're doing. Yes. Yeah. What other ways do you get creative? I mean, on myself, it's with my makeup. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Um, I went on this tangent. You may or may not have seen it on Facebook where I'm like, I'm so fucking sick, Laurie. I'm so sick of these memes that are like, why are girls wearing long false eyelashes? No Ugh. man in the universe have ever has ever said, man, I wish she had longer eyelashes. Good thing I'm not asking you. Right. Like, first of all, it's not for you. Second of all, okay, you may not wish we had longer eyelashes, but you all wish we had bigger asses, bigger right. boobs, smaller waists, longer hair, you know, um, perfect skin um, that were bitching in the kitchen and a freak in the sheets, you know, like that if I want to wear long eyelashes, 
shut up. What does that have to do with you? That has nothing to do with you. Um, Anyway, I went on this, like, if you didn't catch it, it's somewhere out there in the Facebook universe. But um, that as someone who has a port wine stain on half of their face and who was bullied and judged for looking different growing up, makeup is a healing creative outlet and that I can paint myself to look any way I want that day. It could be minimal, air quotes here, classically beautiful, you know, or I could look like a fucking drag queen and I can rock either of those looks. Oh, yes, you can. And I'm not going to apologize for it. And that at least when I do a mega hyped up look, that if you're staring at me, at least I know what you're staring at. Mm. You know, and that I know that you're not looking at my port wine stain going, oh, God, what happened to her? Was she abused? Did she fall? Did she, you know? So at least I know that when I do my makeup all crazy with like the crazy colors and the big eyelashes and the black lipstick and the this and the that, at least I know what you're fucking looking at. Yeah. So stare, you know, like. Well, and so I feel that only because like when I very first started to get into makeup in high school, it was totally like super dark, gothic, black lipstick, heavy liner, like all the things because on purpose I wanted to look scary. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wanted you to be intimidated when you looked at me. I wanted you to like be like, oh my God, look at that girl. You know, I was giving you something to look at. And then on the flip side, it's so funny because even today, like we have lots of looks. You and I change our look a lot, you know? And so it's this idea that like, yeah, I can be super glam with the lashes and the drag makeup and the glitter and the heels. In my raspberry hair. In raspberry hair. Yeah, totally. But I can also be really dressed down or athletic or casual or what, like that you get to style yourself to decide what your vibe is. Yeah. And that your vibe can change every day or in today's case, three times a day, you know, like that it's okay. And that styling yourself or deciding how you want to look that day is a creative outlet. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, one of my clients that I did her makeup, this was a few months back. She was just struggling with like how much she hated wearing mascara that like no matter what she does, it ends up like under her eye or melted all over the place or it looks ridiculous or eyelashes are stuck together or whatever the case is. And I was like, well, if you don't want to wear it, then just don't wear it. I'm sure she was like, what? Her exact (laughs) response was, is that okay? Of course it's okay. Yes, it's okay. (laughs) Like... You don't have to wear it at all. Well, but what if I want to wear eyeliner? Don't I have to wear mascara? I was like, no, No. watch this. Let's put eyeliner on (laughs) you and not put mascara. And like the amount of freedom that she got from this idea that she doesn't have to do anything, you know, like that it is, or even like transitioning makeup to a more natural look, you know, like that there are so many options and you don't have to do any of it. And just because you do it, three days a week or five days a week doesn't mean you have to do it seven days a week. And just because you did it last week doesn't mean you have to do it at all next month, you know, like that your look and your vibe is totally a creative outlet and that that evolves like anything else. Mm-hmm. And it feels good. Like to ha- just to give, especially women, permission to be creative with their look however they want to be. Um, 
like, I think I committed to that pretty hardcore in my thirties with like the visible tattoo part of creativity, feeling really good about having art on me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I also feel a lot of creative aspects like in jewelry and like putting jewelry together or deciding what jewelry I want to wear, you know, like it's an adornment, mm-hmm. you know, like it's part of how it makes me feel when I put it on and that that's a creative outlet. So yeah, I love creativity just in your image and just your vibe an image and your alone yeah. like helps me on the daily. Yeah. So much, but I do have to say because I put so much work into my image, like I've had issues along for years when girls like come to work without makeup. Yeah. I, I get judgy. I do. Um, well, because I think that we're in the beauty industry and we're selling an image, right? Like people come to us because they're looking for advice on their look. I wouldn't go to anyone who wasn't made up, but it took me a really long time to realize that like some people that my look is really intimidating to some people. Well, and there's just as many people that go to someone because they don't wear makeup. Well, that's what I'm saying is that people look at me and they're like, Oh, that chick with like the big eyeliner and the raspberry Mm. hair and the colorful, I like, that's too much for me. That's not my vibe, you know? And so going to someone who is more like, you know, um, subdued or like do their makeup classically makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That that's, um, a comfort level for them that it took me a really long time to not judge that. Um, just because, you know, and I call it like getting into drag every day, just cause I get into drag every day doesn't mean that everyone has to. And it took me a long time to not come from a judgmental place on that. Well, and let me tell you, makeup anymore is freaking tricky because just because someone looks like they're not wearing any makeup doesn't mean they're not wearing any makeup. Like you can, I know a girl that spends an hour on her eyebrows, only makeup she wears. Yeah. You know, like she doesn't do anything else. Like her skin's beautiful mm-hmm. and flawless. She didn't wear any other like face color, whatever. It's just about them eyebrows. But when you look at her, she looks like she's not wearing any makeup. I know. And what's so freaky cool about that, though, is like as a makeup artist, it's way harder to do really clean, natural makeup than it is to like drag somebody up, in my opinion. Yeah. Like I can just I can paint face and beat face and it's going to look a certain way. But that natural, classic, clean beauty, you know, like those images, especially for editorial makeup, are the hardest to pull off where it looks like you're not wearing anything at all. Um But yeah, it's image and styling in general is a really fascinating thing Mm -hmm. to me because it was a couple of years ago that I started to like come up with this idea of like homeless hair Mm -hmm. that I wanted my hair to kind of look like I hadn't done anything to it in days, but that it looks perfect still. Yeah. And then there was like this whole homeless chic thing that started to happen where people started wearing really baggy, torn up lived in worn clothes and tennis shoes and things that were slouchy and sloppy looking in my estimation that that got really cool all of a sudden, you know, and then this homeless chic thing started to happen. 
and how hard that was for all of my sensibilities about like you tuck your shirt in, you put on a belt, you wear socks and shoes, you do, mm-hmm. you know, like that none of those things were true anymore. And it threw my whole perception of it where now I can get into a homeless chic thing a little bit, you know, like it works. There are polished aspects of it like the girl who only puts on her eyebrows, you know, like that a, a clean, polished, homeless chic is just, sometimes is just as time consuming and as difficult as doing like a full on look head to toe. Yeah. Creativity. So cool. It is so cool. So yeah, I'm fascinated in what our listeners do um, for their yes, creative I outlets. Hear. You know, like maybe there are things that uh, we didn't think about today. Um, I feel like we should have, like, as research walked through a craft store hmm. and seen like all the different, like my mother-in-law, she does this thing that I had noticed her doing like in her office, but I didn't know what it was or if she made it up herself or whatever, but it's called quilling. What's that? It's like where you take pieces of ribbon and you, um, wind them up to create a picture. Okay. Um, so I don't know. She was working on like, it looked like lavender, like a plant, like Mm -hmm. a lavender plant Mm -hmm. or a lavender flower, I guess. Um, so she took green ribbon to make the stems and she took different shades of purple ribbon to make the petals on the flowers. Wow. But it's all wound up really intricately mm-hmm. and it's really cool and really pretty. Um, and finally I asked her about it. I was like, what is that called? She's oh, quilling. And she showed me this book. Amazing. I, like, I had no idea that this was even a thing. But, you know, people do like... Um, you know, that diamond, like, paint-by-numbers thing mm-hmm. um, that I know people who do that, and they're like, oh, my God, I just get in this tranquil state yep. where, like, it's tedious. You have to pay attention, and my brain literally has no space to think about anything else yeah. but what's right in front of me. Or, like, adult coloring books. Yes, stuff, you like know, adult like, coloring yes, books. And, um, you know, bedazzling jean jackets and right, you know yeah. like all that kind of stuff there's just so much to do Could go for days yeah and when people say that they're not creative or not artistic i'm like i beg to differ don't believe that i think that there are things that you could do um like i think science is really creative absolutely you know that there's a lot of shit out there that hasn't been discovered or played with yet that it just takes the right mind to be able to do it. Numbers and math and chemistry and all kinds of, you know, like there's a lot of creative aspects to really linear uh, space. Mechanics Mm -hmm. and building cars and bicycles and, you know, like machines. Right. Like (laughs) everything can be a creative outlet if you look at it. So yeah, yeah, get out there and use y'all's creativity to uh, heal some stuff because it's powerful. Yes. And a lot of times cheaper than all the other modalities. (laughs) (laughs) All right, badasses. uh, We so appreciate you being here with us today and listen to us go on about the healing power of creativity. You guys have an awesome day. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.